the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Jort. Oh, actually, it's the Thursday edition. This is my Monday. It's everyone else's Thursday. Anyway, we're glad to uh, to have you with us. I w- was able to enjoy a couple of days off following Memorial Day, and so I'm just getting myself reoriented. James Blend is producing Dave King Engineering today's program. Later in the show, we'll talk with uh, Josh Koash. He's the author of The Recipe for Biblical Success. And we'll uh, take a look at a long list of headlines that I was not able to cover in my absence over these last several days. So we'll begin with the obvious. The House voted on Wednesday night to approve a bipartisan debt ceiling deal, taking a step toward averting a a default on U.S. debt and securing a victory for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who managed to keep his caucus together despite a challenge from House Freedom Caucus members intent on securing greater spending concessions from the Biden White House. Now, whether or not they will challenge McCarthy as speaker, he gave them the authority to uh, with a single objection to replace him. Well, after a few hours of debate, the measure passed in the chamber with 314 members in favor, 117 opposing a total of 149 Republicans, 165 Democrats approved the bill while 71 Republicans and 46 Democrats voted against it. The bill is now in the Senate, where lawmakers will rush to pass it before the U.S. hits the June 1st default deadline established by the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. There was some discussion in the Senate earlier today about amendments, but the thought is if we do, in fact, pass amendments, we'll have to go back to the House for their approval. And under the Speaker's rules, members have to have at least 72 hours to read and understand what those amendments are, and that would bring them over the deadline. So it's not likely that there will be amendments. McCarthy, who brokered the deal, held it, hailed it rather as the largest spending cut that Congress has ever voted for, but faced opposition from members of his caucus who believed the deal didn't go far enough in restoring pre-COVID spending levels. Many House Freedom Caucus members, such as Representatives Chip Roy, Dan Bishop and Byron Donalds, voted against it. To make up for Republican defections, McCarthy had to rely upon votes from Democrats. And while Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries supported the measure, arguing the chamber cannot allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good, Democrats also faced dissent from the more progressive wing of the caucus. In his speech on the House floor Wednesday before the vote, McCarthy pleaded with his colleagues to support what he had bargained for with the president. They demanded a clean debt bill, a debt limit, which really means they spend more and you have to pay more taxes. House Republicans said no, McCarthy said. Over the past four months, we fought hard to change how Washington works. We stopped the Democrats from writing a blank check after the largest spending binge in American history. The Fiscal Responsibility Act is the biggest spending cut in American history. And again, it's now in the hands of the Senate to determine whether or not it will become the law. At least nine people, including children, were injured on Memorial Day after shots rang out near the beach boardwalk in Hollywood, Florida. Pro-Israeli groups and Jewish allies are calling for the City University of New York's 
public law school to lose its funding after a graduating student accused Israel of indiscriminately raining bullets and bombs on Palestinians during her commencement speech. She also claimed laws are white supremacy and attacked the fascist NYPD and U.S. military. It was an encouraging and inspiring speech, by all accounts. Fatima Musa Mohammed, who was selected for the 2023 class to speak at the May 12th law ceremony. The law school initially took the speech down from YouTube, but released it in full last week following public outcry from both pro-Palestinian and pro-Israel groups. Greg Jarrett writes that the Durham report revealed both Biden and Obama knew the truth about the Trump collusion hoax, but kept silent. Well, forget Big Brother. A stranger in a coffee shop can watch you and learn virtually everything about you, where you've been, and even predict your movements with greater ease and precision than ever before. That's what an expert says. All the user would need is a photo and advanced artificial intelligence technology that already exists. Kevin Bargona, a founder of DeepAI.org, says there are services online that can use a photo of you And I can find everything, every instance of your face on the Internet, every place you've been and use that for stalker type purposes. He told Fox News Digital images of anyone, including children, can be scoured and tracked across the Internet. Madeline Stone, a legal and policy officer at Big Brother Watch, said AI could enable offenders to track and monitor their victims with greater ease and precision than ever before. The law firm wrote in a blog post on its website. AI-powered algorithms could, for example, analyze and predict a person's movements by gathering data from an array of sources, social media posts, geotagged photos, etc., to approximate or even anticipate a victim's location, the firm wrote. Advanced facial recognition technology powered by AI is far more effective than humans at identifying individuals from images and videos, even when the uh, the quality is low or the person is partially obscured, stalkers could track victims in real time through surveillance cameras, social media and other online sources, end quote. Well, anyone with access to these databases could exploit them, according to the firm. A very sobering thought. Boycott Target Rap. It's a song uh, standing up for kids climbs iTunes charts. Conservative rapper uh, Forgiato Blow is surging at the iTunes charts with a new song calling out Target for targeting children with their controversial LGBTQ pride merchandise. Blow's hit Boycott Target is his way of using music to speak out on important issues. Blow argued the merchandise has no place for children in elementary school, saying somebody has to stand up for the kids. Shoppers are criticizing Kohl's after the department store became the latest major retailer to sell merchandise that's related to LGBTQ for infants and young kids. The pride display and associated products were initially highlighted by the Twitter account End Wokeness, which posted pictures of several items alongside the caption. Looks like Kohl's didn't learn a thing from Bud Light and Target. Well, Kohl's Corporation has seen its stock plummet over the last year, sinking by over 50 percent due to various worrying signs. In July of 22, the stock dropped almost 21 percent after the retailer revealed it had ended a potential deal to be acquired by um, a franchise group and warned of a decline in sales exacerbated by a drop in consumer spending. Several major American corporations recently saw substantial market share losses after marketing products promoting LGBTQ topics and influencers to young demographics. Just two weeks ago, Target found itself at the center of controversy after customers' uh, uproar 
surrounding the big box retail chain's pride merchandise collection displayed in the stores across the U.S. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back momentarily. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up later in the program, Jason Koash, a recipe for biblical success. Well, millions of workers are predicted to lose their jobs within five years as computers replace human staff. Artificial intelligence advances will allow computer kiosks and robots to replace most fast food jobs within five to ten years, according to AI entrepreneurs. This is definitely a watershed moment for artificial intelligence, says the founder, Rob Carpenter, of um, the Valiant AI We are going to see AI jump from back office processing and manufacturing facilities to consumer facing, front facing, traditionally human only jobs. Many fast food restaurants such as McDonald's, Taco Bell, Chipotle, uh, Popeye's and Domino's and Wingstop are already using AI. Wendy's started using a partnership with Google earlier this month to revolutionize the drive through experience with artificial intelligence. A pilot program will employ Google's cloud AI to speak with customers and take their orders. Within five to ten years, I think the majority of positions within the restaurants can be automated, and that'll be from a variety of different technology providers, Carpenter went on to predict. Many mainstream media pundits have spent years insisting former President Trump is a dangerous threat to the republic, often comparing him to the worst people to ever walk the earth. But as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has emerged as a viable threat to lead the GOP presidential ticket in 2024, he's regularly painted as even more sinister than Trump. And that's saying something. For much of the establishment media today, there's a need to create a boogeyman out of whichever right-of-center politician is most likely to disrupt their preferred ideological vision. DePaul University journalism professor Jeffrey McCall um, uh, noted, Trump made it easy for the progressive media to attack him as a threat to democracy. But even before that, the ideologically driven media made out George W. Bush, the presidential candidate John McCain and Mitt Romney, of all people, are dangerous threats to the media's preferred order. McCall continued, if the um, left of center media is now going after DeSantis as a sort of preemptive strike to establish a narrative that can be continued, should DeSantis emerge as the GOP nominee? President Biden and the White House are reportedly publicly staging Vice President Kamala Harris alongside the president in an effort to bolster her um, heading into the 2024 election. The report said uh, Harris was symbolically positioned at the center between Biden and House Speaker McCarthy during the debt limit negotiations at the White House. The public staging of those moments, Democratic operatives say, is part of a concerted effort to bolster Harris's image in the weeks since uh, Biden announced his reelection. The Washington Post reported Dunn told the White House teams to schedule events for Harris focused on abortion and infrastructure spending. According to the Post, Harris's stumbles over the past two years have vexed Democrats across the country and inside the White House. And aides say there is a nuanced but determined effort to rep at reputational reform. The Post report says Joel Goldstein, a professor of University of St. Louis Law School, told the outlet that her early soundbites continue to define her. Democrats have repeatedly criticized terrorists throughout her vice presidency over lacking basic political skills. CNN is hemorrhaging viewers since irking liberals with Trump town hall. It's several recent lows since CNN's town hall event with the former president earlier this month or last month now. 
The struggling um, network has hit several embarrassing recent lows since the polarized event as viewers continue to bolt. Trump, the front runner for the 2024 Republican primary, sparred with CNN's Caitlin Collins throughout the town hall, which featured a lively pro-Trump Republican studio audience that infuriated liberal viewers. Many were overwhelmed that the network even offered a platform to Trump, who made his first CNN appearance since before he was president. The following evening, Anderson Cooper told CNN viewers that they have every right to be outraged and angry and never watch the network again if they were offended by Trump's presence. It appears some took his message to heart. CNN managed only 371,000 viewers during the primetime hours of 8 to 11 p.m. from May the 15th through the 21st, making it the ratings challenge uh, network's worst week in the category since May of 2014. The network's performance among the advertisers coveted demographic of um, the adult ages of 25 to 54 was even gloomier as CNN managed only 73,000 average demo viewers the week following the Trump event. The meager total was CNN's smallest average audience in the critical category since July of 2000. The weekend of May 20 to 21 finished as CNN's lowest rated weekend in history as the network managed only 58,000 average viewers among the demographics sought by advertisers. Will AI ever be smart enough to decipher federal regulations? A federal agency is pondering whether artificial intelligence might someday be used to help the government identify duplicative or overly burdensome federal rules that need to be cut back. But officials are already hearing from skeptics who doubt AI will ever be powerful enough to wade through and understand the hundreds of thousands of pages of detailed federal rules. The Administrative Conference of the United States is an independent federal agency that works to increase the efficiency and fairness of regulations. In early May, ACUS released a report it commissioned on how AI and other algorithmic tools might be used to conduct retrospective reviews of federal rules to improve them. Well, that report said AI might already be able to conduct housekeeping chores, such as finding typos or incorrect citations, but said AI might also be trained to do much more. Well, at least somebody or something will understand. The House Freedom Caucus Chair Scott Perry, the Republican from Pennsylvania, dodged a question about where he stands on taking Speaker Kevin McCarthy's gavel away after the House passed the GOP leader's debt limit bill. The bill forged from a Compromise between McCarthy and the president passed 314 to 117 vote that saw majorities in both parties support the agreement, which also meets the GOP demand of cutting non-defense discretionary spending over the next two years. Republicans supported the bill by 149 to 71. The Democrats supported 165 to 46. It comes after some conservative critics of the bill floated using the motion to abandon the deal that McCarthy struck with the right during his uh, speakership vote, which only requires one House member to call a full chamber vote on whether to remove him from his current leadership role, known as the motion to vacate. It will be an an interesting next few weeks. Senate Republicans are demanding the Office of Director of National Intelligence provide information on the status of security clearances for the 51 ex-officials who signed on to a letter claiming the Hunter Biden laptop was part of a Russian disinformation campaign ahead of the 2020 presidential election. Just before the 2020 election, 51 former national security officials wrote a public letter claiming the Hunter Biden laptop had all the classic airmarks of a Russian information operation. 
It was signed by former President Obama's CIA Director John Brennan, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, and former CIA Director and Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, among others. The Republicans are demanding Haynes provide information on how many of the 51 signatories maintained an active security clearance at the time of the letter, between the 1st of October and the 31st in 2020, and how many currently possess a security clearance. Overwhelming majorities of voters are concerned about the specific issues of inflation, as well as the border issue of the future of America, according to a new Fox News survey. Concern with inflation has been consistently high since peaking at 93 percent in July of last year. Now, nearly a year later, 90 percent remain worried about higher prices. About as many, 88 percent, are concerned about the future of the country. Well, this number has been on the rise since July of 2017, when it hit a low of 81 percent. Since then, the increase is mainly driven by Republicans. In 2017, 74 percent were concerned, while today it's 96 percent. Among Democrats, it was 91 percent in 2017, compared to 83 percent now. The recent uptick still leaves voters slightly less anxious than in April of 2012, when it was at a record 92 percent. A California parent is upset about their kids' schooling, uh, school rather, hosting a pride assembly. Uh, the school district should not be teaching minors LGBTQ content, they argue. Manuk, the father of four, said teaching about LGBTQ issues is not an appropriate topic for anybody under the age of 10 years old. If anything, I should be the one to teach them about the birds and the bees, so to say, not the school. Well, the school's job is to teach them about reading, writing, and algebra. He said, well, Manuk, the father, is part of a group of parents in North Hollywood that started an Instagram account to boycott the Pride Assembly held at the uh, elementary school. Well, the debt ceiling deal gives a blank check to Democrats. The Wall Street Journal says the agreement, which the president and McCarthy made final on Sunday, would suspend the borrowing limit for two years and curb government spending during that time. It would cut spending on domestic priorities favored by Democrats while boosting military spending by about 3%. It also would extend limits on food assistance to some beneficiaries to prod them to their jobs. This deal is insanity, says Representative Ralph Norman. At $4 trillion debt ceiling increases will virtually uh, no cuts is not what we agreed to. Not going to vote to bankrupt the country. The American people deserve better. Ted Cruz says he's right. There's not one thing for Dems. Uh, There are four trillion things, a blank check for Democrats, plus 87,000 things, new IRS agents to harass Americans, all in exchange for eliminating virtually all of the House spending cuts. Lindsey Graham is a wanted man in Russia for comments he made while visiting Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Friday. Russia's interior minister put out a warrant for Graham's arrest on Monday in response to an edited video released by Zelensky's office in which Graham praised the U.S. support of Ukraine's defense and noted that Russia is uh, Russians are dying as Ukraine fights for its freedom. In the video, Graham noted that the Russians are dying and described the U.S. military assistance to the country as the best money we've ever spent. Graham also made an offer to Putin, alluding to how the International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Putin for alleged war crimes during Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I will submit to jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court if you do. Come and make your best case. See you in The Hague, he went on to say. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at uh, headlines from the last several days. And later in the uh, program, a recipe for biblical success. 
We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. California Senator Dianne Feinstein was reportedly confused last year after observing Vice President Kamala Harris presiding over the Senate for a tie-breaking vote. The 89-year-old appeared unaware during one vote as to why Harris, who had previously broken numerous ties, was taking up her role as president of the Senate, according to a report from the New York Times. A witness included in the report said Feinstein allegedly asked colleagues, what is she doing here? With the Senate locked at a 50-50 majority split for the first time, first two years of the Biden administration, Democrats needed every member of their party, plus Harris, tie-breaking vote to approve many bills and nominations. Her aides insist they have candid conversations with the Democrat about her future and continue presenting a press folder to her that's now loaded with clippings about her failing health, opinion pieces calling for her resignation, and polls showing most voters in the Golden State want her to resign. She is adamant, however, that she can do the job until her term ends in 2025. Even a supposed federal government watchdog has gone radically woke, prompting harsh criticism from conservatives. A leaked October 2022 memo from the Government Accountability Office, which examines government spending and is considered the supreme audit institution of the federal government of the United States, reveals the GAO barring employees from using terms for male and female. The memo was posted on a GAO intranet. Because uh, meaning and connotations can change rapidly, we should not rely solely on precedent, GAO or otherwise, but should consider consulting early in an engagement with individuals and groups who are within scope of the work, the four-page memo stated, offering common alternatives to gender terms such as artificial instead of man-made, crude as opposed to manned, and workforce as opposed to manpower. The style guide demands an end to non-inclusive terminology and said the GAO's 3,100 strong army of bureaucrats should avoid wording that diminishes anyone's dignity. This is a leaked government memo showing how the, the president is forcing wokeness on government employees. Well, Bud Light's value has fallen $15.7 billion since April. Sales for the beleaguered company, Bud Light, have fallen for a sixth consecutive week following its participation and partnership with a social media influencer. The Beer Business Daily, a trade publication, found that the volume of Bud Light sales had dropped by 28.4% in the second week of May, up from 27.7% the week prior. The consumer cutback on Bud Light has become so bad that one store is even reportedly offering cases of 24 packs, which normally retail for $20 or just $3.49 to offset some of the costs of inventory before the beverage expires. Target has lost more than $10 billion in market capitalization in the span of 10 days as it continues to face backlash for its themed merchandise. And China has rebuffed a U.S. request for a meeting between their defense chief on the sidelines of an annual security forum in Singapore this coming weekend. The Pentagon said showing the limits of a tentative uh, reapproachment between the two rival powers. China's dismissal of the proposal also was termed an unusually blunt message, U.S. defense officials said. China's decision comes after a week-long effort by the U.S. to secure a meeting. The rejection is the latest rebuff of U.S. efforts to strengthen military communications with China, although the two nations are taking tentative steps toward getting bilateral ties back on track after an alleged Chinese spy balloon crossed U.S. territory earlier this year. Well, Jane Fonda blames the climate crisis on 
white men and suggests they should be arrested. I'm wondering if she means all of them. Well, at the Cannes Film Festival this week, the actress pinpointed the only logical cause of the alleged climate crisis, the patriarchy. This is serious, she said on Saturday. We've got about seven, eight years to cut ourselves in half of what we use in fossil fuels. Unfortunately, the people that have the least responsibility for it are hit the hardest. Global South, people on islands, poor people of color. It is a tragedy that we have to absolutely stop. We have to arrest and jail those men. Uh, they're all men behind this, she went on to say. Well, Fonda's climate activism also led to her arrest alongside Grace and Frankie co-star Sam Waterston during an October 2019 demonstration outside the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Two Lululemon employees have been fired after calling police on shoplifters. Well, the two former employees say they were fired from a Georgia Lululemon store for allegedly breaking company policy when they called the police to report a robbery at the store. Jennifer Ferguson and Rachel Rogers told local outlets they reached out to authorities after a group of robbers came into their store in Peachtree Comers, Corners. rather, Despite company policy that says employees should not intervene in robberies, both women said they were fired over a Zoom call with regional Lululemon officials who said the company had a zero-tolerance policy regarding the incident. Not the theft, but the employee trying to get some authorities to help. Well, police arrested the shoplifters the following day as they attempted yet another robbery and charged them with multiple felonies. Hmm. Kevin McCarthy says House Republicans never gave up while the president's Ducked negotiations and Senate Democrats were missing in action. Republicans passed a bill that forced Mr. Biden to the table and changed the paradigm. With the introduction of the Fiscal Responsibility Act, we are changing the direction in Washington through a responsible debt limit increase that cuts spending, saves taxpayer money and restores economic growth. Not everyone agrees, but it certainly was uh, quite a feat to come to a an agreement. The measure is advancing in the face of opposition from the Freedom Caucus. The legislation scaled its first major obstacle Tuesday night when the House Rules Committee voted to clear the way for a debate on the plan on Wednesday after a, a, a opponents failed to muster enough allies to block it. Well, of course, it has since passed and now it's uh, in the Senate, which is expected to pass it really fairly quickly without amendments. House Committee Chairman James Comer threatened contempt of Congress against FBI Director Ray. Well, the House Oversight Committee Chairman is taking steps to hold FBI Director Ray in contempt of Congress after the Bureau notified the panel it will not comply with its subpoena related to a possible criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden. Comer, the Republican out of Kentucky, has subpoenaed the FBI for a document that allegedly describes a criminal scheme involving Biden and a foreign national and relating to the in, uh, in exchange of money for policy decisions. However, the FBI notified the panel it would not provide the document to the committee by the Tuesday afternoon deadline. Today, the FBI informed the committee that it will not provide the unclassified document subpoenaed by the committee, Comer said on Tuesday. The FBI's decision to stiff-arm Congress and hide this information from the American people is obstructionist and unacceptable. A contempt vote doesn't always shake loose documents or result in criminal prosecution. We'll follow the story. TikTok has stored thousands of TikTok creators and businesses' financial data, such as Social Security numbers and tax IDs, in China, according to records obtained by Forbes. 
TikTok CEO Xiao Chu testified in March that TikTok uh, stores American information in Virginia and Singapore, but Forbes obtained data that shows the platform stored it in China. The creators and businesses gave their data to the company to receive payment from the platform, and TikTok stored it on Chinese servers that employees can access, according to Forbes. Well, tension is escalating as China and India engage in a tit-for-tat journalist expulsion. India and China have ejected each other's journalists in recent weeks, virtually wiping out mutual media access and deepening a rift between the world's two most populous nations. New Delhi denied visa renewals this month to the last two remaining Chinese state media journalists in the country. China has likewise denied credentials for Indian journalists. The reciprocal moves are likely to add to acrimony between the two neighbors, whose relationship has deteriorated since a deadly brawl on the contested Sino-Indian border in June of 2020. Since then, a once warm relationship between the two members of the so-called uh, BRICS grouping of emerged emerging powers has grown testy, spilling over into a wide-ranging bilateral dispute. The dispute over journalists reflects on the uh, reflects rather the deep and chilling uh, relationship that's been. Uh, uh, cast over bilateral relations since the border clash in June of 2020. India's foreign minister has said relations can't return to normal until there is peace along the shared border. Meanwhile, a Chinese fighter jet moved toward a U.S. jet in an unnecessarily aggressive manner. U.S. military said Tuesday that the Chinese fighter jet flew close to a U.S. reconnaissance air- aircraft over the South China Sea, forcing the American pilot to fly through the turbulent wake. The Chinese J-16 fighter pilot flew directly in front of the nose of the RC-135, which was conducting routine operations in international airspace last Friday, U.S. Indo-Pacific Command said in a statement. It called the Chinese move an unnecessarily aggressive maneuver. U.S. defense leaders have complained that China's military has become significantly more aggressive over the past five years, intercepting U.S. aircraft and ships in the region. And tensions with China have only grown in recent months over Washington's military support and sales of defensive weapons to self-governing Taiwan, China's assertions of sovereignty to the contested uh, South China Sea, and its flying of a suspected spy balloon over the U.S. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the shoplifting epidemic is plaguing downtown San Francisco. An Old Navy store was hit 22 times in two days. Old Navy is leaving San Francisco, repeating an old, all-too-familiar story in downtown San Francisco. Another major retailer has become the victim of rampant shoplifting. In an exclusive interview, an Old Navy worker who doesn't want to be identified described the scope of the problem. Uh, they, referring to shoplifters, are everywhere, everywhere every day. Uh, when I'm on the floor walking around, I would say at least 12, 14 uh, during the day, the worker said. It's really bad because it's downtown San Francisco. It's really out of control. The worker said the flagship store, which is set to close on July 1st, was hit 22 times by thieves in the last two days. And in the last year, the problem has worsened. I recognize a lot of them, and they're just super comfortable. Sometimes they take two or three mesh bags in at a time, and that's sometimes $2,000 worth of stuff. In recent months, Nordstrom, Whole Food, T-Mobile, Walgreens, and Saks Off Fifth 
All have announced their departures, citing rampant retail theft, violence from homeless vagrants, and loss of foot traffic as residents refuse to shop in the once-beloved city. More than 300 COVID-19-related articles have been retra- uh, retracted uh, long after they've done their damage due to a lack of scientific truthfulness and ethical guidelines, according to Retraction Watch, a website that monitors retractions of science-related articles, according to a senior researcher at the Institute of Immunology at the University of Oslo. Many researchers took ethical shortcuts when writing the, their essays. He states that there were, are, or there were other reasons articles were pulled, including researchers using too small sample size and news media outlets being deceptive about what the papers actually concluded. Sometimes the data changed. The articles were later retracted. So all of the unpleasantness, it's simply disappearing from medical journals and research archives. And the media would like us all to pretend that it never happened, but it did happen. And if we don't uh, learn anything from all of this, it was uh, it will happen again when the next pandemic inevitably comes along. The need for speed must be moderated by adhering to proven practices from the past. And what they're calling the Bud Light Amendment Democrats in the Nevada legislature swiftly passed an amendment to penalize school boards that prevent biological males who identify as transgender from using women's locker rooms and competing on girls sports team. The amendment passed Friday without a hearing placed an administrative penalty of five thousand dollars per day on school boards in the state that do not allow students to participate in school activities based on their gender identity or expression. The the Democrat introduced amendment Uh, then warns that any school that violates the amendment and does not allow students to use facilities based on their gender identity will be penalized. The bill now heads to the government, uh, Governor Joe Lombardo's um, desk, a Republican from the state, for a final signature. But the Republican has opposed similar proposals, previously voicing his belief that individuals should compete in sports based on their biological sex rather than gender identity. We'll continue to watch to see what actually happens on the desk of the governor in Nevada. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey championed equality and fairness with expanded protections for women's sports. The Alabama governor on Tuesday signed legislation that will ban transgender women from playing on female sports teams and colleges, becoming the latest state to place restrictions on transgender athletes. The legislation expands the state's existing 2021 ban on transgender athletes and K through 12 sports teams to include college teams. Students assigned one sex at birth would be prohibited from playing under a different gender identity, even after undergoing hormone treatment. Look, if you are a biological male, you are not going to be competing on women's and girls' sports in Alabama. It's about fairness, plain and simple, Ivy said in a statement. ESPN commentator Samantha Ponder has been accused of bigotry after posting a tweet opposing biological male participation in women's athletics, Sports Illustrated Illustrated reports. Ponder, who um, has worked at ESPN for over a decade, uh, quote, tweeted from University of Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines, a vociferous opponent of biological male participation. Gaines had posted concerns from California student-athletes and parents regarding fairness in track and field competitions. On Sunday, USA Today columnist Nancy Armour, she took issue with uh, Ponder's tweet and an opinion article headlined uh, what ESPN's Sam Ponder says fairness is plain old bigotry. Uh, Don't be fooled by the people who screech about fairness to cloak their bigotry toward transgender girls and women, she wrote. 
This is and always was about hate, fear, and ignorance. Well, Sam Ponder, call me whatever names you want, but it doesn't change the fact that it is inherently unfair for biological males to compete in female sports. It's literally the reason they were separate in the first place and the reason we needed Title IX. End quote. Well, among Democrats, 165 yes, 46 no. Among Republicans, 149 yes, 71 no. The House reached their agreement over the debt ceiling. Chris Ray confirmed a form of um, linking Vice President Biden to bribery schemes exists. The FBI will allow leaders of the Oversight Committee to view the FD-1023 form. They say proves President Biden was involved in a $5 million criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national. The international unclassified FD-1023 form apparently details an arrangement for an exchange of money for policy decisions, the Republicans have said, and issued a subpoena for last month. Oversight Chair James Comer and Senator Chuck Grassley uh, spoke with FBI Director Christopher Wray by phone on Wednesday, and Wray offered to let Comer and ranking member James or Jamie Raskin view the document at the FBI headquarters in an attempt to stave off Comer's threat to hold Wray in contempt of Congress. But Comer was left unsatisfied and has said he will proceed with holding Ray in contempt if he does not hand over the document to the full committee. FBI Director Ray has confirmed the existence of the uh, document, alleging then-Vice President Biden engaged in a criminal bribery scheme, scheme rather with a foreign national. Multiple Justice Department whistleblowers have come forward to Republican Senator Chuck Grassley as part of his ongoing investigation into the Biden family business practices, The whistleblower disclosures raised concerns about the Hunter Biden investigation with allegations including irregular handling of evidence and a claim that standard investigatory procedures were not being followed, alleging uh, allegedly hindering the probe's progress. More specifically, whistleblowers said that during the FBI investigation, derogatory evidence related to the president's son, Hunter, was wrongly labeled as disinformation when it could be and had already been verified. In some cases, they claim derogatory evidence was placed in highly restricted systems that prevented other FBI investigators from reviewing it in the course of their related work. It's been five years since the investigation began. Multiple Justice Department whistleblowers have now come forward alleging mishandling of the federal criminal investigation, including that disparaging evidence related to uh, the president's son was labeled incorrectly as misinformation. Kevin McCarthy is looking to create a bipartisan budget commission to help reduce the deficit. The commission would form after the debt ceiling vote passes the House. Uh, The House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, previewed a new commission to tackle the broader scope of the federal budget. Once the debt ceiling uh, battle settles down, dozens of Republicans have come out in opposition to the debt limit bill, citing concerns over the lack of spending cuts. But McCarthy insists the agreements was merely the opening salvo in his budgetary aspirations, citing the commission as the next step. A jail in New York City that was shut down in 2019 will be utilized uh, to house illegal migrants coming to the uh, Big Apple from the southern border. The Lincoln Correctional Facility, which was shut down in 2019, will be repurposed to house those who are seeking asylum. There are no jail cells in the 10,000-square-foot facility, and it is meant to be a pit stop for illegal immigrants. New York Representative Jamal Brown announced that the illegal immigrants deserve dignified housing and called on schools to create temporary housing for them. Uh, Bowman uh, said that migrants deserve uh, uh, better. 
I'm asking New York universities to create temporary housing for asylum seekers. Our New York University communities can and should come together to ensure migrants are welcome here. And at least nine teenagers have been charged in connection to the mob attack of off-duty U.S. Marines that took place near the San Clemente Pier on Friday. The Marines who were attacked uh, say the fight started when they asked the group of teens to stop lighting fireworks. Video of the incident went viral over the weekend with a startling uh, attack on the Marines walking away uh, from the crowd when one teenager rums up and punches one of them in the back of the head. At first stunned, the Marine then charges the miner who attacked him but was quickly overpowered by the larger group. Charges for the miners range from felony assault with a deadly weapon and misdemeanor assault and battery. Southland uh, Post reports that the group of uh, Marines got assaulted uh, by an unruly mob of teenagers. And one report said there were as many as 40 of them on the two uh, Marines. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. News and traffic up next. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up later this hour, Jason Koash, author of A Recipe for Biblical Success. And we're working our way through some of the headlines over the last several days of this holiday weekend. We'll continue, and uh, Jason Koash will join us in the next segment, next couple of segments. Well, Iran has reinstalled monitoring equipment and boosted its cooperation with international inspectors, even as its engineers added to stockpiles of uranium enriched closer to uh, weapons grade, the global nuclear watchdog reported on Wednesday. The IAEA inspectors have raised concerns in March over the presence of uranium particles enriched to 84% levels of purity and chided Iran's slow response to separate investigations, raising the prospect of worsening tensions in the Middle East. The Wall Street Journal reported with Israeli officials warning they could take military action against Iran if it produces 90% weapons grade material. U.S. and European officials have been considering ways to prevent a nuclear crisis, including some kind of freeze on Iran's nuclear program in exchange for modest sanctions relief for Iran. Iran has said only a full return to the 2015 nuclear deal and a broad lifting of U.S. sanctions would persuade it to roll back its nuclear work. China is preparing for worst-case scenarios in its effort to counter threats. We are witnessing in real time the transition from autocrat to dictator. Chinese leader Xi Jinping has called on his top national security officials to think about worst-case scenarios and prepare for stormy seas as the ruling Communist Party hardens efforts to counter any perceived inter- internal and external threats. The latest STEM, uh, STEM uh, instructions, or rather stern instructions from Xi, comes as Beijing faces a host of challenges from a struggling economy to what it sees as an increasingly hostile international environment. In the face of uh, what it sees uh, and is calling a complex and grave situation, Xi said China must speed up the modernization of its national security system capabilities with a focus on making them more effective in actual combat and practical use. Under Xi's notion of comprehensive national security, China has introduced a raft of legislation to protect itself against perceived threats, including laws on counterterrorism, counterespionage, cybersecurity, foreign non-government organizations, national intelligence and data security. In Hong Kong, a sweeping national security law was imposed by Beijing to stamp out dissent after huge democracy protests roiled the city. 
NATO peacekeepers guarded town halls in ethically polarized North Kosovo for a third day on Wednesday as Serbia's defense minister inspected troops deployed near the border with its former province after violent unrest this week. The disturbances prompted NATO to send additional troops to the area and the alliance in the West slammed Kosovo for not having done enough to prevent violence, during which 30 NATO troops and 52 ethnic Serb protesters were hurt on Monday. NATO said it would send 700 more troops to boost its 4,000 strong mission in Kosovo, where Serbs are angry that the 2013 deal is set uh, uh, to set up an association of autonomous municipalities uh, where they... um, where they form a majority of the North, has never been implemented. Regional unrest has intensified since April, elections that Serbs in North Kosovo boycotted. The Kosovo Olympic Committee urged the International Olympic Committee Tuesday to open disciplinary proceedings against the uh, president there after claiming his statement at the French Open regarding the recent conflict in the region could set a dangerous precedent. The committee issued a statement from its president in response to the message Uh, writing um, on camera uh, lens following the first round victory uh, in that match. Kosovo is the heart of Serbia. Stop the violence. He wrote in Serbian the same day 30 NATO peacekeepers were injured when police and ethnic Serbs clashed during demonstrations in Zvekan. Chris Christie will announce his 2024 presidential bid next Tuesday. The former New Jersey governor will enter the race for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination next week. Christie's uh, planned campaign would be his second for the presidency after he unsuccessfully sought the GOP nomination in 2016. After dropping out of the race, Christie swiftly endorsed Donald Trump. However, Christie 60 has since become one of Trump's most vocal critics. During a recent town hall in New Hampshire, Christie called Trump's Trump, rather, a failure of policy and a failure of character, asserting that the frontrunner in the GOP primary race is nothing more than a television star. Well, the Texas AG has been impeached in a 121 to 33 vote. The Texas legislature impeached, impeached rather, Attorney General Ken Paxton over corruption allegations. This development reveals an apparent division within the Republican Party, given that the GOP-controlled state legislature impeached Republican Paxton. Uh, Twenty articles of impeachment have been raised against him regarding allegations that he illegally used $3.3 million in public funds to settle a lawsuit. Paxton pushed back by claiming that the allegations were too weak to hold up in a court of law. Paxton becomes just the third state official in Texas history to be impeached. Well, post-Tucker Carlson, Fox News sees its primetime numbers plummet. It's been a month since Fox News suddenly and surprisingly fired Tucker Carlson. The reason for his sacking remains unclear. Carlson was Fox News' biggest draw, dominating the primetime 8 o'clock p.m. hour across cable news by pulling in an average 3.27 million viewers nightly. Well, since his ouster, Fox has seen its viewership in that time slot tumble uh, to uh, by more than a million viewers, the top cable news outlet has been rotating a number of hosts, including Brian Kilmeade and Jesse Waters, to fill in until setting on a permanent replacement. Kirk Cameron's Pride book, conservative uh, Christian actor and children's book author Kirk Cameron, is releasing his latest book just in time for Pride Month titled Pride Comes Before a Fall. The book doesn't specifically address homosexuality at all. Instead, it's the first in a series of books in which Cameron covers the so-called seven deadly sins. 
Cameron explains that he chose to start with the sin of pride because it is the deadliest. We all struggle with pride, he said. But what makes this struggle even more difficult is when kids see pride being celebrated for an entire month and seeing the message that pride is good, he added. He wanted to uh, give parents a tool to be able to have an important conversation about the topic of pride and humility. There is an AI threat to future political campaigns. There's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Artificial intelligence is a new and rapidly growing reality that we will all need to learn to live with and adapt to. The primary fear being expressed, especially with uh, regard to politics, is how AI tech can and will be used to deceive and manipulate voters. So-called deep fake has already emerged that... um, Include images, video or audio of high profile candidates such as Donald Trump and Joe Biden engaged in activity or making statements they never did. How might rival candidates use A.I. against their opponents? How might a foreign entity use A.I. in an underhanded effort to disrupt elections? In the end, it's always boiled down to the same issue. Since A.I. is simply a tool, a powerful tool, yes, but still a tool, what really matters is how it's wielded. And we'll keep an eye on how it's wielded. Coming up, we're going to hear from uh, uh, Jason Koash, author of A Recipe for Biblical Success. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Money, position, title, power, influence. The world sees success as a wild series of badges, accomplishments, accolades, and economic prosperity. We clamor to be noticed, to be loved, to find happiness. Well, the world's measure of success has never been remotely the same as Christianity. In fact, Jesus called us to be of no reputation, to serve and to give freely, to consider outcasts and orphans, and worst of all, to die to self. Well, what kind of formula for success is that? Well, in his book, A Recipe for Biblical Success, Pastor and author Jason Koash, he outlines the dichotomy between God's values and worldly values. He methodically identifies the core values that set Bible-believing Christians apart, or at least it should. What is biblical success? Well, my guest, Pastor Jason Koash, attended Taylor University, where he played soccer and later graduated from uh, Karen University with a degree in biblical studies and added a master's degree from Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. He launched Wellspring Church in Toms River, New Jersey, and serves as lead pastor. He is a part-time missionary in Converge, um, Brazil, and helps serve their church planting efforts as well. He joins us today to talk about his book, which is, um, well, pretty significant, a a recipe for biblical success. Pastor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this is such a timely book because there's so much emphasis on success, and it's not always defined in a way that um, we as believers necessarily recognize, but the scriptures are very clear about what it's supposed to be. Again, there's a very, there's a marked difference between the world's view of it and what the scriptures have to say. What are some of the biggest differences? Well, I think it's what we are striving for. And so worldly, some elements of worldly success isn't, isn't wrong, but it's a matter of priorities and focus. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I see, I see biblical success is, uh, when God's ways and God's heart become my way and my heart and striving to be more like Jesus. And, uh, when the world says, like you were saying, money, position, power, all of those things, 
Uh, God can grant those things, but never at the expense of Christ-likeness. I'm studying the uh, the book of Jeremiah, and he was called as a young man and served for 40 years. Uh, his life was a misery by the world's standards, but he was obedient to yeah. the letter, everything that God called him to. What is success as God defines it? I think when we face any kind of challenge or pushback, we tend to think, well, maybe we're a failure or maybe we've fallen short. Or if we're not happy, that somehow means we're not successful. What does God have to say about it? How does he define it? I think it's, it's literally doing it his way and seeking him first and, and foremost. And so, uh, you know, think about like, you know, your example and another example in the Old Testament is, uh, is Gideon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by, you know, what you're saying, Gideon was a complete failure when he cut his army down to 300. Uh, that is stupid and not practical, but it's what Christ said, or what God told him to do. And so in that regards, he was a complete success, uh, in, in all areas. Um, so it's, it's doing it God's ways, um, which are not the world's ways. It's why it's why Joshua marched around a city blowing trumpets as a military uh, <laughs> a strategy, as a military strategy uh, because it's simply what Jesus said to do. So, so essentially, <laughs> obedience is what's, what defines success in the life of a believer. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And that's like that's so that's the tough thing about the book is everything I describe in there. Um, it's not. It's not sexy by nature, but like I'm a I'm a wildly driven person. And it's so easy to lose sight of character in a, in a pursuit of honoring God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such an ironic thing. Uh, but I'm a pastor. I love big numbers. I love counting seats. I love counting offering. I love all of those metrics that would make me feel success. Uh, but is that success in God's eyes? Um, isn't there more to that? And so as a driven Christian, it's, it's sadly easy to lose sight of Christ in our driven natures. Yeah, it absolutely is. You write that the wrong views can lead to wrong conclusions. Explain what that means, because I think that's really uh, essential for us to understand whether or not we're on the narrow way or we're walking that wide path. Yeah, and so I uh, I started a church, and uh, and we started with just under 600 people. And so right away, we birthed a teenager with infant maturity, and so... Uh, so much was going on early, early, you know, year or so of our church that we could look at all the numbers and say, "Hey, we were a success." Um, then, then COVID happens. We had a church split. We we can look at other things, and if I don't look at things the way God looks at them, uh, then there's going to be moments where I have the numbers, I have the offering, um, or I have the big house, or God gave me the bonus. And all of a sudden, I'm striving after things that God never told me to strive after. And I start to feel like a success when God doesn't see, uh, see success. Uh, and so it was just looking at character and things that matter to God and saying that's actually the measuring stick um, and to have the right view in mind. So. You write about steadfast love and um, that it's a conscious choice that we have to make. Uh, talk a little bit about the essential nature of steadfast love that can help keep us going the right way and to pursue the kind of success that God is calling us to. Yeah, so steadfast. So it's, this is the whole book is uh, I, I woke up one morning kind of down and out and 
uh, feeling like a failure. Um, and, uh, and so God rocked me with uh, Proverbs 33 through 4, which let not steadfast love, it, it starts with that. Uh, and so steadfast love being an ingredient of success, I, I really thought through that in steadfast love. There's two words there. I get love. Love can be done in a singular act, uh, but steadfast love cannot be. You cannot prove to your spouse that you are steadfast in love with one single act. It is, a, it is day in and day out. It's continual acts of love that will prove you to be steadfast. And, it's, and it's a, for Christ, it's a generational love that has been there since the beginning of time. Uh, and so to that point, I cannot look at my wife and tell her I love her uh, because I gave her a diamond ring uh, 14 years ago. And if that's the only thing I can point to, then I have failed. Um, and I'm not a loving person. So mm-hmm. I think that's the word steadfast is the critical word there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was really profound when you wrote that you can't know what God wants from us, from me, if I don't know God. Um, how do we mm-hmm. get to know God so that we um, are certain that we understand what he wants? I mean, so that is, you know, some of the basic tenets of, uh, of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, uh, I, I'm still a pastor and uh, it is, it is ironic to me how many people uh, love Jesus yet are confused by Jesus and don't read their Bibles. It's, so simple, right? But as you talk to people that are mature in their faith, they literally open the Word of God. Um, and so you want to know God, you want to know His heart, well, then read the book that He left for us, uh, or hang out with His people at church, um, or um, listen to music that talks about, um, you know, the loving nature of Christ. And so those are those are just, you know, some basic things, but um, it's so it's so easy to not know God through simply being uh, ignorant or choosing to ignore ignore the ignore the obvious ways in which God has made Himself known. Mm-hmm. In the first part of the book, you write, as I mentioned, about steadfast love, uh, uh, mm-hmm. faithfulness, commitment, um, heart, and yep. you offer a biblical case study in each one of these areas. Kind of describe how the yep. book is structured to help us go deeper. Yeah, so I start so that verse Proverbs three three through four the the first half of it lays out those uh, those four ingredients and so I looked at this as uh, four ingredients. Uh, I one of uh, one of my mentors told me once that I was high strung and needed a hobby, um, and so I, I took up baking uh, because I couldn't use my cell phone while I was baking, um, and I make killer chocolate chip mint brownie cookies. Um, and so uh, I just saw this whole verse unpack itself like, hey, there are four ingredients. You put it into a blender, you put it into the oven, and then you expect certain things to come out. So if I put carrots into the blender, I'm kind of expecting a carrot cake, not chocolate chip cookies. Uh, and so the way it's broken down is so I, I break out steadfast love, the ingredient. I explain it from God's perspective. I give... Uh, seven different marks of somebody that would be crushing it in those four areas. Uh, and then I conclude those chapters with how Jesus embodied uh, this, uh, this characteristic. Uh, and then the biblical case study is looking at uh, somebody or a piece of scripture that 
talks about uh, in more in depth uh, this uh, this ingredient. And so, uh, like we looked at Hosea and how the people of Israel were saying, "Hey, God, like we're in trouble. Um, we uh, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to wait it out." And God's like, "No, I want your steadfast love. I don't want you just to prove it once in one time. I want I want it for all." Um, and we do the same thing for. Uh, what the results are, because in that verse it says, so that you may find favor and good success with God and man. Uh, and so we give a we give a biblical case study for what favor is, what success with God is, and what success with uh, with man is, and then conclude it with um, some some words on success and favor, since that is so um, um, misunderstood in our in our yeah. Christian culture. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Pastor Jason Koash. He is the author of A Recipe for Biblical Success. We'll continue our conversation in a moment, but I need to take a quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Continuing my conversation with uh, Jason Koash. He is the... um, uh, he launched, I should say, Wellspring Church in Toms River, New Jersey. He serves as lead pastor there. He's also a part-time missionary in Converge, Brazil, where he helps serve their church planting efforts. We're talking about his book, A Recipe for Biblical Success, uh, which is a great read to help us distinguish between uh, success in our culture today and success according to God's Word. We talked a little bit about um, the the four major subjects that you cover, steadfast love, faithfulness, commitment, and heart. In the area of faithfulness, what's the link between struggling with faithfulness and struggling with forgetfulness? Yeah, yeah. The uh, If there ever was a case study on that one, it's the nation of Israel. And yeah. uh, that that is one of the things that, uh, through studying for the book and um, writing the book, it is so important to put markers in your life that will help you remember um, the faithfulness of God. Um, and so uh, Israel constantly was commanded to do things like Karen's and uh, like take things out of the water when after uh, before the, the, the seas or the river went back to where it was. Um, and so it is so important, you know, teach, teach the generations all that God had done so that they will be faithful. And, um, Israel would forget my, my favorite, my favorite one about forgetting is when Israel was getting the, the 10 commandments, um, they had forgotten, um, God's nature. I think we're experiencing some technical difficulties. Are you there? Okay, apparently we have been disconnected. We've been talking with Pastor Jason Koash. He's the author of A Recipe for Biblical Success, in which he um, talks about the difference between what the world embraces and what God defines as biblical success. Steadfast love, faithfulness, commitment, and heart are four of the major subjects that he covers. But in uh, part two of the book, he also talks about the results of biblical success and concludes the book by listing Two simple priorities that we ought to embrace. We're trying to get him back on the phone. Uh, the book, by the way, is uh, published by Karis and is available uh, where books are sold. We have Pastor um, Koash back. Okay, there he is. All right, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, I'm glad to have you back. I apologize. Um, uh, 
I'm uh, yeah. So my uh, I was talking about Egypt and uh, and the Israelites and just how when they were getting the Ten Commandments, they forgot about their God and then took the gold that God gave them and made an idol. Um, and so it's a, just stressing the importance of remembering God's God's faithfulness to us to drive our faithfulness towards Him. So. What are some of the specific marks of and characteristics of faithful people? Faithful is is kind of it has a similar characteristic to uh, to that of steadfast steadfast people. It is that uh, it is that consistency um, day in and day out. Similar to steadfast, you cannot prove that you are faithful uh, over <laughs> overnight. Um, you need to do it day in uh, and day out. Uh, and so, some of the things that we look at as marks. Um, whenever I, I put in those marks in those chapters, I have a group of really faithful Christians that are a part of my church and just in my life. Uh, and so I would text them uh, when writing these chapters and say, hey, if, if you think of somebody that's a super faithful Christian, um, what do you expect to see in their lives? Uh, and so things like faithful and little. If you are a faithful person, you're not going to be faithful just with a huge crowd. Um, you're going to be faithful with the individuals. Um, and so that's uh, that's a pretty a pretty obvious one that's listed throughout scripture. But things like stewardship, uh, one of the marks I said also in that one um, is uh, that someone who's a faithful Christian probably welcomes intrusion into their lives. Uh, that they are willing to let people in and willing to let people talk to them and point things out. Uh, and so uh, that is I I. Speak kind of wrote that speaking a little bit into culture mm-hmm. where if I want to be a faithful person, uh, I can be all about my social media. Um, I can be all about those things. And ironically, I want, I want to go viral. Um, but really faithful people, um, they want to go viral for the right reasons and not, uh, not just because they become a headline for all the wrong reasons. And so just the point of, I don't want to live, I don't want to be like culture where I'm trying to go viral, but yet I also want to be communicating. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. I want some people in my life that, yeah, it is their business and they can call me out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You also write about commitment and suggest it's about a matter of priorities, um, which in a a culture like ours, where we're driven by feelings, um, talk a bit about commitment and uh, how priorities can help us to, first of all, determine whether or not we are living a committed life that's pleasing to God or if we have our priorities in the wrong order. Yeah, uh, I, I lead an organization and priorities are much of what um, is a big part of it. There are, you know, so using the organization thing, it's true of the Christian life. There are certain things that are true of all Christians. Uh, there are certain things that are true of all churches. Um, but then God has called Christ, certain Christians to prioritize other things. Um, I prioritize a church in New Jersey. Um, you're not called to do that, and that's a good thing. You're called to be a radio host. Um, and so when we when we have our priorities in order, we're we're sensing God out. We know His what He's called us and how we're unique. Um, and so uh, in my life, my family has written up a family mission statement. We have uh, five, I think it's five family values. Uh, and it's one of our values is fitness, and it's why we we play sports and try to shine for Jesus while we're on a sports field. Um, and um, it also means that there's certain things that we say no to. And so 
priorities just help us to know what God is calling us to commit to um, beyond the the basics of the Christian faith, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The other subject that you uh, cover thoroughly is the subject of heart. And you make reference to yeah. King David. He was called a man after God's own heart. And while he was a flawed man in many ways, what made him special to God? And what can we learn from his life uh, that, you know, as we want to honor him? So one of the things that stood out to me, I've always loved David. Uh, when I got in a lot of trouble in high school, my uh, my mom made me read uh, Chuck Swindoll's book on David um, <laughs> to, to help me rebound. Um, and uh, and so uh, always, always have loved David. David was a guy that could uh, kill people in the morning and play the harp in the afternoon. You know, he, he was an interesting dude. Uh, what I love about him. Yes. He's a man after God's own heart. Uh, I couldn't think of, and I still ponder this. I can't think of a, a repeated sin in David's life. Um, he did some really stupid things. Uh, but when he owned it, he owned it. And, um, like even his affair with Bathsheba, it's later in his life where he's on his deathbed, um, where he has a maidservant waiting on him. And the way he postures himself in the maidservant shows that, like, man, he's learned something and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to even flirt with temptation, if you will. Um, and so um, I think, yeah, it's owning it's owning our stuff as flawed humans. And then if we're if we are um, broken and contrite, we strive never to repeat it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so much more in the book that I wish we had time to talk about. Again, it's titled A Recipe for Biblical Success. I would recommend it. And I thank you for writing it and challenging us uh, to consider what the scriptures have to say about success so that we can measure where we stand and make the appropriate adjustments. Pastor Koash, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Hey, we've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour and an Easter special edition of the Christian Outlook. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, Ukrainian President Zelensky arrested and detained an American critic, a YouTuber and a critic of Ukraine who had been living in Kharkiv, Ukraine, since before the Russian invasion last year, was arrested by Ukrainian authorities earlier this month. Gonzalo Lira is an American citizen. He's been a vocal supporter of Russia throughout the war. He's been charged by the Ukrainian Security Service of Ukraine for violating a 2014 Ukrainian law that prohibits portraying the war as an internal civil conflict, a popular Russian propaganda claim. Well, the State Department is aware of Lira's arrest, but hasn't uh, commented on any possibility with negotiators with Ukrainians uh, seeking his release. If he's convicted, he faces up to 13 years in prison. Meanwhile, the State Department is still working on securing the release of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, who is currently detained in Russia. Well, bioeconomics is um, unretiring people. Uh, The president's economic plan, Americans getting hardest hit by Joe Biden and the Democrats spending induced inflation are retirees. Sustained high inflation has increased consumer prices by 4.9% over last April, and housing costs have jumped 8.1% over last year. Cumulative inflation since Biden took office is more than like 16%. Well, this rising cost has caused an increasing number of retirees to re-enter the workforce. 
55% of whom specifically cited the need for more money as the reason. I ran into a cousin in Fred Meyer just yesterday. She's 85. She's back in the workforce. Furthermore, according to a recent survey, one in six retirees is considering getting a job. The economic downturn has also negatively impacted retirees' investments, with markets losing over $12 trillion in wealth last year. Over a third of people 65 and older say their financial situation is worse than it was the previous year. Well, Texas has banned DEI at colleges. On Monday, the Republican-controlled Texas legislature followed through on one of Governor Greg Abbott's target issues, riding the, the uh, uh, halls, or rather ridding the halls of higher education of Marxist-driven diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Senate Bill 17 bans state-funded universities from creating DEI offices filled with DEI employees. According to Republican State Senator Brandon Crichton, uh, with this bold, forward-thinking legislation to eliminate DEI programs, Texas is leading the nation and ensuring our campuses return to focusing on the strength of diversity, promoting a merit-based approach where individuals are judged based on their qualifications, skills, and contributions. This is a big win for conservatives as Texas follows Florida's lead in addressing this inherently anti-American ideology that's overtaken college campuses. Elon Musk pulled Twitter out of the EU's pro-censorship project. Following through on his commitment to promote free speech on his social media platform, Musk pulled Twitter out of a European Union speech-squelching code of practice program. The EU created the pro-censorship program under the guise of combating disinformation online. Unsurprisingly, EU leadership was none too happy. You can run, but you can't hide, warned EU International Market Commissar. Beyond voluntary commitments, fighting disinformation will be legal obligation under DSA, number DSA, as of August 25th. He then added, our teams will be ready for enforcement. Those who want to control thought hate speech, hate freedom. Thankfully, Musk is refusing to bow to the authoritarian demands. We'll see what happens in August. Well, the House passed a debt ceiling deal despite more than 70 Republican defections. Speaker Kevin McCarthy was able to get the debt ceiling deal he brokered with a stubborn Joe Biden passed in the House on Wednesday. With a majority of Democrats and Republicans voting in favor, the legislation is now in the hands of the Senate, where it's expected to pass with relative ease. As is the nature of compromise, no one gets everything they wanted, and the Republicans in the Freedom Caucus sharply criticized the deal for failing to garner enough of their spending cut demands. In the end, however, it's a win for McCarthy, who forced Biden to the negotiation table. And frankly, it's also a win for the Freedom Caucus Republicans who voted against it as they can trumpet their opposition to their constituents, even as the government avoids debt default. Vice President Pence and former Governor Christie will run for president. The Republican presidential primary field will get bigger as two more familiar faces are set to jump in next week. Former Vice President Mike Pence will announce his bid on the 7th of June in Des Moines. And uh, the groundwork for months in the early primary states, Pence's uh, entry has long been anticipated. In a somewhat unexpected development, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is also reportedly set to join the race next week. Christie's uh, entry will be interesting, given that he'd been the uh, most vocal Trump critic among those currently in the Republican field. With his chances of winning the nomination being slim, perhaps his rationale is simply to act as an attack dog against the former president in favor of other leaders and leading contenders. Or perhaps Christie is looking to build his political stock for the a position in the Republican administration. 
GOP Representative Chris Stewart announced his retirement. The Republican slim House majority just got slimmer as six-term Utah Representative Chris Stewart announced his resignation yesterday. The 62-year-old Stewart is leaving to care for his wife, who is suffering from uh, undiagnosed ongoing health issues. His exit will leave House Republicans with just an eight-seat majority. However, the seat is considered safe for Republicans, as Stewart won his district last year by over 30 points. Pro-life activists were attacked outside a Planned Parenthood clinic. Police in Baltimore are investigating an assault against two pro-life activists that happened outside a Planned Parenthood clinic. Last week, 73-year-old Mark Crosby and 80-year-old Dick Schaefer were confronted by a man who proceeded to attack him, uh, them rather. Crosby was beaten so badly that he remains in the hospital while Schaefer received a cut to his hand. The president of the Baltimore County Right to Life chapter, Jay Walton noted, for years, Mark has prayed in front of a Planned Parenthood in Baltimore City to let the uh, scared young abortion-minded woman know that they are loved, that their baby is loved. No word as to whether the FBI is investigating this as a hate crime. President Biden's Department of Justice is going to bat for a mansion. The West Virginia Democrat senator is currently trailing in the polls well behind his GOP challenger, current Governor Jim Justice. Cue the uh, rescue squad. At least that's what National Republican Senatorial Committee spokesman Tate Mitchell is claiming after the Justice Department filed a civil lawsuit against justice alleging unpaid civil penalties. Joe Biden's Department of Justice has gone totally rogue, Mitchell charged. Democrats weaponizing the federal government to attack the family of a Republican Senate candidate is a complete abuse of power. President Biden's uh, sex assault accuser moved to Russia during the 2020 election campaign. The uh, now president was accused by a former Senate aide of sexual assault. The story never really went anywhere due to the mainstream media dismissing her claim as dubious. Believe women indeed. Well, the latest strange twist to the um, story is her decision to flee to Russia. On Tuesday, Reid was uh, interviewed by alleged Russian spy Maria Butina, now a journalist, claiming that she had to run for her life. I just didn't want to walk home and walk into a cage and be killed which is basically my two choices, she went on to say. Well, Republicans secured massive gas pipeline approval in the debt ceiling bill. Senator Dianne Feinstein, confused by Vice President Kamala Harris's participation in a tie-breaking vote. Another company needing Bud Lighting, Kohl's, ripped for infant LGBT merchandise. Lululemon fires Atlanta employees for calling police during a burglary. Horrific video shows nearly 40 teens viciously attacking off-duty Marines on a California beach. There were two of them. Uganda's leader signed a law imposing a life sentence for same-sex acts and death for aggravated uh, homosexuality. And Moscow was hit with a drone attack for the first time since invading Ukraine. Turkey's President Erdogan has won his re-election. The White House cut another top Biden nominee amid mounting opposition, and Utah Representative Chris Stewart will resign from the House, shrinking the GOP majority. Dodgers' Blake Trian blasted the organization for honoring Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and a Blue Jays player ripped after apology for sharing video endorsing Target boycotts. Target's vice president for brand management served as treasurer for an LGBTQ group promoting secret child gender transitions and LGBTQ books in schools. An arrest has been made after months of silence in the New Jersey GOP councilwoman's murder. 
The Biden administration unveiled $1.5 million effort to empower female climate activists in northern Kenya. And Beijing snubbed the U.S. by rejecting a meeting between top military officials. A whistleblower disclosed uh, disclosure rather alleges FBI pre- uh, produ- procedures were not followed in the Hunter Biden investigation. And nearly 10,000 photos from Hunter Biden's laptop hit the Web. Trump attacked um, Kaylee McEnany, prompting a rebuke from the right. Twitter canceled a deal with the Daily Wire to stream What is a Woman over misgendering and will label the film Hateful Conduct. Uh, University of Colorado is equating misgendering to an act of violence and a border app released almost 80,000 foreign nationals into the U.S. in the last four months. The seventh grade boy who sued over two genders T-shirts Hit a roadblock in the courts. And Alabama expanded a ban on trans athletes to include college teams. The Pentagon canceled a drag show at the Nevada Air Force Base as Pride Month begins. And the University of North Carolina Med School renounced its own DEI framework. The Oklahoma Supreme Court struck down two pro-life laws and the medical field is erasing its own COVID-era history. Hey, we are out of time. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. It is National Donut Day. We'll tell you more about that then. For now, thanks to James Blend for producing and engineering a portion of today's program. And Dave King for engineering the bulk of the program. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.